This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you until 9 p.m. Eastern. You can follow him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can follow me as well at Amber W Sports. So the San Francisco 49ers, they're well on their way here in the playoffs. A decisive win in the wild card round. But moving forward, things might not be so decisive for the 49ers when it comes to that quarterback position. We know right now Brock Purdy is tasked with leading the way for this team throughout these playoffs. But what does that mean for Trey Lance or even, you know, that guy Jimmy Garoppolo? Because both of those guys also are still on that roster even if they are injured. Trey Lance is a quarterback that this team had moved all the way up to pick and now it appears is posting cryptic messages on social media so joe let me break this down for you the titans found their new general manager this week they hired 49ers executive ran carthan as the successor to john robinson now why is that significant to this story it's significant because trey lance then posted on the gram finger crossed emojis with a picture of Carthen and we don't know what the finger crossed emojis really mean, but could it mean, could it mean Trey wants to go to Tennessee with this executive from the Niners who is now the GM of the Tennessee Titans and Tennessee, of course, is a team also with some question marks with its future at the quarterback position. Ryan Tannehill's contract, it's a lot easier to move this offseason and Malik Willis doesn't seem like he's the guy there. Two ways to look at it. Number one, it's the fingers crossed emoji. He's supporting his guy saying, fingers crossed, here's hoping you have a great career and that's the end of the story. Sorry, nothing to see here. Option number two, much sexier for Sports Talk Radio, and that would be that, fingers crossed, I'd love to end up in Tennessee because I don't want to be in San Francisco anymore. San Francisco has had a tremendous season. It feels like every single person and every single coach and every single executive is in a position where they're, they're thriving, they're having fun, they're having success, except Trey Lance. Lance took a bunch of heat at the beginning of the season. He wasn't playing great. He got hurt. Garoppolo stepped in and played really well. That made Lance look bad. Then Garoppolo got hurt, and seventh-round pick Brock Purdy steps in, and he plays really well, and that makes Lance look bad. So if you're Lance, you're like the only guy in the Bay Area right now who's not enjoying the run the Niners are on. So do you think he wants out based on that information? It's only been two years in San Francisco. The Niners have at least two more years plus the fifth-year option, then you can start talking about franchise tags. I could see the frustration if you're Trey Lance at this point because of how well Brock Purdy is playing. I don't think the Jimmy Garoppolo factor factors into this at all because Jimmy G, obviously, with the history with that team, it stands to reason he fits that system well. He's going to play well. He was playing well before they drafted Trey Lance, and so it's not surprising that he would come in in relief of Trey Lance and play pretty well. I think the Brock Purdy component of this is what complicates this situation so much because you're you're right. It looks like in Kyle Shanahan's system, you can do it with anybody. But oh, by the way, you couldn't really do it that well with that guy, Trey Lance. And that's a problem. Now, we only saw it in a snippet. I don't think it's fully fair, frankly, for Trey Lance. We got we saw so, so little of it. But it doesn't help this conversation that Mr. Irrelevant can walk in and that he can look like he has looked here these last six games. And Trey Lance didn't look so good at the beginning of the season when he did get that opportunity and when he was supposed to be the future of the franchise. I don't know what finger-crossed emojis really mean, though, other than, like, you know, hoping they're like the hope, the fingers crossed. Like I'm, I'm hoping here's to hoping. And I, I feel like if you put that on a picture of Rand Garth, then it's because you're saying 
you know, fingers crossed that you do awesome there as the GM of the Tennessee Titans. I don't know if it's really a uh, fingers crossed. I want you to bring me with you. What would the um, what would be the proper emoji if you were wishing someone good luck? It feels like fingers crossed could be something, but what would be the emoji? Like, what's the one where you hold it up like the U? Right, no, you hold see, that, that up, to like, me is just too yeah, much University of Miami. That's just the U. Thumbs uh, up. I, I would thumbs say like the praying one. one maybe, but maybe that's too religious. But like pray, like you know, prayers, like prayer, like wishing you well. But I think maybe that has a little bit too much of a religious connotation. That's what I mean. What else? If you're wanting to wish somebody else, uh, somebody well, what do you put? The fingers crossed would the, definitely uh, be on the, the list. The money bag emoji. You just got a promotion to GM. Money bag, money bag, money bag. Let me get some, son. That's like that's my one. thought right there. That's a good one. I guess like a thumbs up could also fall into this conversation category. I don't know. You and I are both in our forties. We're not the barometer of what's cool in the world of emojis to young you, people. Probably you speak for yourself, young lady. You speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm still out there getting it done. And by if getting it done, so. I mean I'll be in bed as soon as this show's over. And it ends at 9 p.m. for you. It ends at 6 p.m. for me. Let me throw <laughs> this true. out there. If you're Rand Carthon and you've taken the job in Tennessee and you're interested in Trey Lance and you think the Niners want to move on from Trey Lance, you're in an incredible position to negotiate because you know exactly how that organization feels about him. They gave up three first-round picks mm-hmm. and a, a third-round pick to move from 12 to 3 to draft Trey Lance. I don't think they're getting that back for him based on what everyone's seen. And if the organization soured on him, Carthon's well aware of it. So if he likes the player and he knows the organization sour on him, he could swoop in for a bargain basement price and get a young quarterback on a rookie deal, which wouldn't cost him much money in Tennessee. Does it even have to be that the organization has soured on him, though? Couldn't it just be that we really like this dude, Brock Purdy, and that we feel like Brock Purdy is, fits our system better or is better for us moving forward. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If Brock Purdy continue, I mean, if he finds himself in a conference championship or, heck, winning one and into a Super Bowl, then you can't make a quarterback change next year. You're going to have to stick with Brock Purdy, right, as your starter. And so at that point, you probably want to get something back for Trey Lance because what's the point of burying him again under another quarterback? And, oh, by the way, this quarterback is just as young and this quarterback can develop just as much, which was the whole point. One of the whole points of moving from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance was moving towards the youth and hopefully moving towards the durability. Of course, the concern there is it doesn't seem like they did move towards the durability, which was a big problem with Jimmy Garoppolo under center for that team. So maybe Brock Purdy, they just see their future in Purdy. Is it possible? And so it's not really a knock. In other words, it's not about Trey Lance not being good. It's about Brock Purdy being great. Yeah, it can certainly be that. But even if it is, I'm still not trading Trey Lance unless I get an unbelievable haul in return because Purdy's going to be extremely cheap next year and the year beyond, and Lance is going to be relatively cheap. And I'd want him as my backup. In the event Purdy flames out next season, I would want Lance there to step in and see what I have because if you're the Niners, what do you think you have in him right now? He's only played a handful of snaps. Right. And if you're Trey Lance, you're probably very, very tired of sitting there in a backup role and waiting for your opportunity. And if you're going to get placed back there, then I could see you not being very thrilled about it and putting some cryptic message on social media, wanting to make your way to the Tennessee Titans. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next here, how have things changed for the Mavs and the Hawks since the 2018 NBA draft Everything has changed because of that draft. We're going to talk about that next. This is ESPN Radio, and you can listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. A draft night trade that changed the entire landscape of the NBA. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. All you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio. It is that simple to listen to us at any time. We're taking you up until 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. And Tim McMahon has a really interesting article on the .com. Why Luka Doncic and Trey Young are linked by more than a draft night trade. We all know now about that trade that ends up with Trey Young in Atlanta with Luka in Dallas. I want to bring in ESPN NBA reporter Tim McMahon in order to talk about this article. And Tim, I think... A lot of people look at this trade now and think, well, the Mavs won this trade because I think we think of Luka as a generational talent, even though we also think of Trey Young as a very good player as well. But it's not that simple. One of the things that you highlighted I thought was so interesting in your article is that both these teams really found themselves so far in very similar positions because of this trade, both finding themselves in a conference final, but both having a lot of upheaval in terms of the front office and coaching changes and trying to pair co-stars with these two. So in your opinion, so far, who won this trade? I mean, if you want to talk about who won the trade, I do think that the, the Mavericks got the generational talent. The, uh, the Hawks got a very good player, a guy who, uh, is a superstar, but he's not in the same stratosphere as Luka Doncic. And, you know, the Hawks did get an extra first-round pick. That first-round pick ended up being Cam Reddish, who's probably about to get traded for the second time uh, on his rookie contract. You know, what's interesting is they did get this heavily protected first-round pick, Charlotte's from the Knicks for Reddish. That was a small part of what the Hawks gave up to get DeJounte Murray. And so, 
look, they both got superstars in the deal. Again, I think Luke is in a different stratosphere, but they both are, are dealing with very similar challenges, and that's when you have a young superstar, there is a pressure to be able to build a championship contender around him. And, you know, you kind of know the modern NBA math. You don't want to let these guys get midway through their second contract and and not have the, the you know, strong belief that they're on a team that, that can contend. Um, you know, as I said, you don't want to fiddle around and find out. It doesn't mean that they would look for greener pastures, but certainly there are plenty of examples of that happening in the recent NBA. Tim, last year was year four of Luka Doncic's time in the NBA. They make it to the conference finals. He's one of the top players in the game. The thought process this year is that they should contend again, seriously in the West, possibly even for a title. And yet here they sit 24 and 21 defensive efficiency last year. They ranked seventh. Now they rank 25th trade deadline right around the corner. What could they reasonably do to try and improve this team this season? Well, you, you left out the minor details. They lost the second-best player on that Western Conference Finals team for nothing in free agency. Talking about yeah, minor Brunson details. Going to the Knicks. And, then, and that was a big, big, big blow to the, uh, you know, to the building of a potential championship roster. You know, the, the defensive numbers, you know, it helps that they're getting Dorian Finney-Smith and Josh Green back tonight. Those are two of their best defensive players that have been out for a month-plus uh, due to injuries. But you know, they're in a spot where they do want to upgrade before the trade deadline, but they have to be very selective on how to do it because ultimately what the Mavericks need to do is to get a legitimate co-star to pair with Luka. Almost certainly when you look at the timetable and, and, and their cap sheet, that's going to have to be in the trade market. So you still owe a pick from your swing and miss on Chris Dapps Porzingis. You pay that this summer. At a certain point, you've got to have a bundle of first-round picks to be able to get in those kind of conversations. And so if you give up a first-round pick before this trade deadline, then you're diminishing the ability to, to you know, make the not even home run, extra base hit type of deal that I think you need for this team to, to be able to win a championship or championships. And so it's, you know, how much patience do you have versus how much urgency do you have? It is a very difficult line to walk. ESPN NBA reporter Tim McPan joining us here on Joe and Amber. You can check out his article on the dot com. Why Luka Doncic and Trey Young are linked by more than a draft night trade. Tim, in the article you reference there, because you just referenced Porzingis, of course, you call the relationship between the two passive aggressive tension. Is there something there with Luka's personality that maybe makes him... I don't know. Interesting. Like, is that something that they have to consider when pairing him with a co-star that maybe he doesn't always get along with everybody in that role? You know, I really think that was a kind of a one-off type of of situation. And honestly, the the last half of a year that Porzingis is here, those guys were fine. I think there was a lot of frustration for both of them. Uh, There was a lot of toxicity going around the organization at the front office level, you know, the coaching staff. Neither one of them at that point enjoyed playing for Rick Carlisle, to, to, you know, to, to, to put it mildly. Uh, it was the, you know, the kind of the COVID year where nobody's having fun. Um, there were some fit issues with him and from a basketball standpoint. Um, but they came back after the next summer. They didn't talk all summer. You know, they, they dapped each other up uh, when they saw each other just before training camp. And they were fine from a personality standpoint. So I, I don't necessarily think it's a personality issue with Luca. Um, I, I do think there are some basketball fit concerns, and that is he is the most ball-dominant player in the NBA. 
So, you know, when you're talking about trying to get another star to pair with him, you know, do stars want to play with a guy who's that ball dominant? I think the best comp for him would be the Houston version of James Harden. And, you know, the one thing I will say, these it ultimately didn't work out in these parents, but Dwight Howard went to Houston to play with James Harden. Chris Paul, same thing. Russell Westbrook, same thing. Who can – now, Harden was recruiting. Luke also at some point is going to have to get involved in the recruiting process, I think, uh, for the Mavericks to accomplish their goals. Interesting there that you mentioned James Harden, a player who found himself with a couple years left on his deal in Houston and ended up forcing his way out. Maybe something we end up seeing with Luca if the Mavericks can't get anything done here and he ends up disgruntled. ESPN NBA reporter Tim McMahon, thanks so much for joining us, Tim. Thanks for having me. So, Joe, I referenced there the situation with James Harden because McMahon in his article references as well. We've seen it in the NBA. Right now, the Mavs have a math problem is what Tim calls it in his article. Unhappy stars who have only two guaranteed years remaining on their contract They've got leverage. We saw it with Anthony Davis in New Orleans. We saw it with James Harden with the Houston Rockets. So there is this idea out there, and we haven't heard it from Luca. And traditionally, Luca has not wanted anything to do with personnel moves. But now there's the reports out there that he has told the Mavs that he does want them to make some sort of move before that February 9th trade deadline. And there's this idea that maybe if they can't, and they can't find the right pieces around him, that he'll end up finding himself frustrated like Anthony Davis did in New Orleans, like James Harden did in Houston, and try to force a situation like both of those guys did. I want to see him stay. I really want to see him stay. Steph Curry in Golden State, Giannis in Milwaukee, stay. Be the face, be the franchise, build it up. But those now, guys a- had the pieces around them. In fairness, like, it worked. <laughs> it Hold worked on. in all of Hold those Hold on. Do you have any idea what the beginning of the Steph Curry tenure was like in Golden State? People didn't want him. They wanted Monte Ellis to stay. They, they, Golden State was a dumpster fire yeah, for the Steph, longest time. But with Golden State, they lucked out, well, lucked out, but with the Steph Curry injury, that ends up helping them when his second deal, right? He ends up signing a lesser deal than he otherwise would have. So they were able to build around him in large part because of that as well. They, that situation with Steph Curry, you're right. It doesn't always look like it does at the time. With Giannis, there was conversations. We wondered if he was going to want out of Milwaukee, and then Bam wins a championship the next year, so clearly made the right decision there staying. I understand what you're saying. We've seen it with those guys, but also it did work for those guys. Like Those teams were committed to building around those guys, and with Dallas, it hasn't seemed so easy for them. Do you think Mark Cuban is not committed to building around Luka? No, he brought in Porzingis. So that does show commitment. It just didn't work. And so, you know, it's what Tim just said there. Luca may not be that easy of a player also to find the number two for, to find the right number two for, because he is such a ball-dominant player. Most certainly, but at least they're trying. There are places you can go where they will not try. There are places you can go where you will be irrelevant forever. Look at the Sacramento Kings. I hope he stays. I think you have an aggressive, intelligent owner that's going to figure it out. Certainly, they're trying to figure it out. I'm guessing from the player perspective, you want to see at the very least that commitment. Again, they did bring in Porzingis. Maybe he wants to see more commitment now before that February 9th trade deadline. Coming up here on Joe and Amber, should the Vikings bring back Kirk Cousins? We're going to tell you what we think next. This is ESPN Radio, and of course, you can always listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships 
your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. It is that time in our show where we do one of our favorite segments, sound on, sound off. Let's get to it. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. Jerry Jones, he is the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. He has rarely met a microphone that he doesn't enjoy, which, I mean, that's rich me saying that, right? But he's rarely met a microphone that he doesn't enjoy. And so he makes his weekly appearances on 105.3, the fan in Dallas. Here is Jerry Jones on how worried he is about his kicking situation on Tuesday. We'll read this thing as the week goes along. I don't want to uh, get out over our skis and get ahead of it. Uh, I thought that uh, when he came out at halftime, watched him uh, warm up out there. He's making all of the kicks. Uh, I figured that was uh, behind him, uh, but we will uh, we will take a look at it. We can't. Uh, uh, it'd be a, a big setback to uh, go in uh, to the rest of this tournament, rest of this playoff, with shakiness at kicker. My favorite thing about our Sports Center updates that keep bringing into us into our show is that right now it is quite literally top headline in Sports Center that the Cowboys signed a kicker to the practice squad. I'm not sure I have ever heard that as a top Sports Center headline, but that's how bad the situation was with Brett Maher against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa. Let's bring in our producer James Steele for some help with this segment. Yeah, so they they did bring in a kicker as quote unquote insurance, but. Amber, would you have made a change at kicker after Maher's performance uh, versus the Bucks on Monday night? No, I would not have. Uh, I think that Maher did have the yips, but it's also something that is overcomable. He gets one through the uprights. It should be okay moving forward. It felt like a mental thing, not a physical deficiency thing. And so hopefully it's just something isolated in that game. I don't think I would have made a change at kicker, Joe. You see these guys fall off quickly. You saw it with Chuck Knobloch with the uh, Yankees late in his career. Harrison Butker used to be nails. He's missing kicks all over the place now. James, you know that. You're a Chiefs fan. It's near and dear to your heart. I would stick with Maher right now because it's one bad game and he had a really good season. But I love the idea of bringing someone in the camp this week to put the pressure on him so you can try to simulate some of the pressure from the game he just had and see how he performs. And if he responds well this week, he's your guy. But if he's sloppy early, you got to start thinking about going for two. You got to start thinking about going for two. So that is a team that is continuing fourth with their season. Let's talk about a team whose season came to an end in the Minnesota Vikings. Here is the general manager of that team on the future of his quarterback, Kirk Cousins, in Minnesota. You know, it's our expectation that he'll be our quarterback. I can't say exactly how that would look. Um, Again, we have everything at our disposal. We'll consider all those things just like we will with everybody else on the roster. So, Joe, if you're the Vikings, do you stick with Cousins or try to find some other guy to play quarterback for you? 
here's where it gets dicey. Cousins is about to turn 35. We know what he is, and he's playing out the final year of his deal. He might want an extension on top of that. And if you've got to extend that deal, sure, you get the benefit of prorating the signing bonus money, which gives you more cap space, but you're also kind of locked into him a little bit longer. How much longer do you want to be locked into Kirk Cousins? Now, conversely, Cousins wasn't the big problem in Minnesota this year. The defense was god-awful. That defense couldn't get stops against the Giants. They couldn't get stops all year long. So you've got to evaluate Cousins, but the question comes down to how much money and how many resources do you have to address the defense? If you can't improve the defense, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. You're not going anywhere next season. I do agree with Joe. I think it depends what he costs you moving forward, and that's going to be part of the analysis. His age is up there, and then obviously there is the narrative around Kirk Cousins that he can't win the big one, he can't get it done, he can't win in prime time, he can't win in the playoffs, and certainly that came back to bite them again this season, but there's deficiencies beyond Cousins. He did have a good season. You always need to be a little bit trepidatious moving on from the guy who had a good season. Where do you go from there? Is the next guy going to have as good of a season as even that was able to provide you? So I would think that with Minnesota, a lot of it is going to come down to financials moving forward. So the Chargers. Apparently they have moved on from their OC, their quarterback's coach. It appears their head coach is safe for now, Brandon Staley. So he is in fact still, as of right now anyways, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. He was asked, are these the same old Chargers? We definitely improved as a franchise this season. You know, we we took a step as a franchise and we you know, earned ourselves a, a spot in the tournament. And, you know, I think um, I'm as frustrated as anybody that's a Chargers fan over what happened because there's no one that's investing as much as we are in what happened. And uh, the first half of that football game, I think you saw the very best of our team. Um, and then the second half, um, you know, you saw the, the places that we need to improve. But since I've been the head coach, I've been the head coach for 25 games, 25. And that is the first time that a lead like that, all right, has, has happened. You know, and we're the team over two years that have come back. We're the ones that have made the comebacks. We're the ones this season that had to fight to come back, to scrap. And so when I say it's different, it is different because if it were the same, then we wouldn't have made the postseason. We wouldn't have at six and six won four consecutive games to earn the top wild card spot. There is progress being made within our football team, and you can see it because the team that we have right now is a much different team than we had a year ago. Huh? Uh, yeah, glad he pointed out this was the first time he's ever blew, blown a, a 27-point lead in the playoffs. It's Congrats important. to him. All right, uh, so Amber, uh, really, are the Chargers any different? Come on. I, I actually do think they're slightly different in that he pointed out there they made the playoffs this season. And so that's different, right? I mean, that is different. They accomplished goal number one. In fact, when they made the playoffs... A lot of us said Brandon Staley's job is secure. So we were like satisfied with it in that moment that in fact they had made the playoffs, that that is the progress that that team had made. The problem was then how they lost in the playoffs in that first round. And it was such an embarrassing, epic way to lose that I think that becomes the problem and why we all went back to immediately questioning Brandon Staley's job security. They aren't the exact same team. They did make a postseason, fine. It's just that when we look at the pieces on this team, Joe, it feels like they should be so much further ahead than just losing in the wild card round. James, I'm hoping you can help me out here. How many playoff games did the Texans win this year? Uh, that would be zero. What about the Chicago Bears? Oh, man. Uh, zero. What about the New York Jets? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, zero. And finally, how many playoff games did the Chargers win this year? Uh, that would be a big old zero. 
Yeah, it's the same Chargers team. Thanks for uh, coming out, Staley. We appreciate the press conference. You're lucky your owners are cheap. Otherwise, you'd be gone. The Buffalo Bills will be taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, two teams that seasons, unlike the Chargers, continue on. Here is the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott, being asked about the Cincinnati team. Their skill is off the charts. Um, you know, Joe and, and what he's accomplished to this point as a, as a quarterback in this league and, um, you know, extremely smart, accurate. Um, the list goes on. Uh, he's an elite quarterback for for good reason. You know, and then the skill that they have uh, with the receivers, the tight end, the backs, um, you know, there's as skilled as there is in the league. So, Joe, where do the Bengals' group of skill players rank of, out of all the teams still left in the playoffs? My God, that's a great question because they've got a great quarterback. They've got a top-tier wide receiver in Jamar Chase. Joe Mixon's a dual threat back. The secondary and third receivers are solid. The first team that comes to mind is the Niners because they've got McCaffrey and Debo and Kittle and Ayuk, but they've got Purdy. So, like, does the edge Burrow has over Purdy – overcome everything else there and then Kansas City's got Mahomes and while the receivers in the backs might not be as impressive Travis Kelsey's there and they're still elite so those are the first three that come to mind I'm obviously leaving the Bills out but they don't have much of a running game we haven't even talked about the Eagles with AJ Brown right you can make arguments there depending how good you think Jalen Hurts is Dallas Goddard has been solid I would say no only because there's so much talent but it's hard for me to make the case against it's really hard for me I think for me it would be 49ers one and then I think you could easily put the Bengals two in that conversation. That's crazy because the quarterback is the last pick of the draft. I know it's bizarre but if we're talking skill player I mean yeah. skill positions it extends to beyond just the quarterback. Coming up here on Joe and Amber the New York Jets we mentioned they won zero playoff games the playoffs weren't even an issue for that New York Jets team but they do have issues moving forward They've got interviews and have to figure out who is going to be their next OC. Who are they interviewing? Well, you got to hear this. That's coming up next here on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. New York Jets once had a hack at calling their plays. Could they have another one doing it soon as well? That. In just moments. But first, here on Joe and Amber, we love to earn you the pizza money. What is pizza money? Well, it means that Joe gives you some betting advice, a wager that you don't bet the mortgage on, but you bet enough that if you win, you can have a little extra cash. Buy yourself a pie, if you will. So let's get to it. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Little player prop action. This one tips off in about 14 minutes. It's the Cavaliers and the Grizzlies. We're going to take Darius Garland of the Cavaliers under eight and a half assists. He averaged 7.8 assists per game this season. So we're asking him to play above his season average. That's going to be difficult because there's no Donovan Mitchell tonight. And when there's no Donovan Mitchell, the numbers come down for Garland. Four games this year, he's played without Mitchell. Instead of averaging 7.8 assists per game, he's averaging just seven flat. And in all four of those games, he never eclipsed eight and a half assists. Memphis, keep in mind, number one in the NBA in defensive efficiency. Pizza money, number one. Here we are on Wednesday, January 18th. Darius Garland under eight and a half assists. 
So that is pizza money number one. There will be more in the show where that came from. Joe and I taking you up until 9 o'clock Eastern tonight. You can always check him out on social media. He's got all the betting advice from the Daily Wager at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can check me out as well at Amber W Sports. I mentioned there a Hackett might be calling plays for the New York Jets. Well, that's because Nathaniel Hackett interviewed with the Jets reportedly today to be the offensive coordinator there. Now, his dad, Paul Hackett, was the Jets OC under Herm Edwards back in 2001 through 2004. Of course, Nathaniel Hackett was most recently the head coach of the Denver Broncos. He lasted just 15 games before he was fired from that job. Were you surprised, Joe, to hear that Nathaniel Hackett was being interviewed for that OC spot? No, not at all. For two reasons. Number one, some guys are cut out to be coordinators, but they can't be head coaches. Norv Turner was one of those guys. It looks like Todd Bowles might be one of those guys. Some of them just can't take the next step. Josh McDaniels might be one of those guys. Josh McDaniels. There's nothing wrong with that. Some guys are just better off in that role. It happens everywhere. No shame in that. Number two, people always have these big reactions to situations like this. How can you want to interview Nathaniel Hackett after what he did in Denver? Newsflash, these interviews are free consultations. If you're the New York Jets, you should be interviewing 10 different people who have been an offensive coordinator at some point in their career so you can get free information as to what they think you should do with Zach Wilson, as to what they think is wrong with Zach Wilson, as to what they think can be tailored or moved or adjusted or altered to improve Zach Wilson. There's nothing wrong with paying for a plane ticket and a hotel and maybe a meal to bring a guy in and pick his brain pretty much for free. Those insights are extremely valuable. So don't just look at it as, oh, I can't believe this guy who stunk as the head coach in Denver is getting an interview with the Jets. The Jets should be interviewing these people. They should be interviewing all these people to get as much free consultation as they can. Well, and the reality is that if you've worked your way up to being a head coach for any team, you're going to get other opportunities beyond your head coaching tenure, no matter how it ends. That's just the reality of it when it comes to coordinator positions or assistant positions. You're going to be able to find a job on another team somewhere, unless you did something that, you know, of course, really brought embarrassment. I'm talking about if it ended in a football sort of manner, which is what happened here with Nathaniel Hackett. You're going to get other opportunities down the road, just not necessarily in a head coaching role. That being said, the role he's interviewing for ain't a head coaching role. So there's all so that we're so quick to point to, oh, well, that guy wasn't a good head coach, so there's no chance he could be a good coordinator. Well, that's certainly not necessarily the case. You just referenced there. There's a lot of dudes in the National Football League who are career coordinators, and there's nothing wrong with that. You don't necessarily just jump up to head coach. It's a whole different ball game there in terms of what you have to deal with and the management structure on both sides of the ball, and that ain't for everybody. There's not any shame, really, in that game overall, but... This does feel a little Adam Gacy, right? Where it's like Nathaniel Hackett gets the endorsement from Aaron Rodgers and all of a sudden he's going to trip his way into all of these jobs. Sort of like he tripped his way maybe into a head coaching job. Adam Gase certainly had that effect because of Peyton Manning, right? And so that could be one way of looking at this Nathaniel Hackett situation. I will say in defense of the Jets, and that is not something I am in the business of ever defending the New York Jets, but in defense of the Jets here, they have cast a very wide net reportedly in terms of who they're interviewing for this OC role. They are interviewing first-time play callers. They're interviewing very experienced play callers. So they've been kind of trying to consider all of their options, which you just suggested is a good thing and what you should be doing, and I tend to agree. 
So let me throw this at you because this is one of the conspiracy theories that's floating around the internet right now. Nathaniel Hackett's being brought in and interviewed and possibly even soon to be hired because of his connection to Aaron Rodgers and the Jets looking to make a trade for Aaron Rodgers to upgrade the quarterback position. Are you buying in? Are you going down that rabbit hole? Uh, I'm not going down that rabbit hole because uh, here's the problem. We love conspiracy theories on this show. We here's, love conspiracy theories. All right, but here's the problem. Everyone keeps forgetting Aaron Rodgers is under contract with the Green Bay Packers. Now, is there a world in which the Green Bay Packers maybe want to move on from Aaron Rodgers because as tired as we all are on the outside looking in, I can't even imagine how tired they all are of Aaron Rodgers doing this to them every single season in terms of sort of threatening to move on and maybe threatening to retire. And so would Green Bay find themselves in that situation? I know we're going to discuss that on this show because, of course, we haven't yet filled our Aaron Rodgers quota of the day, and Aaron Rodgers wants us to discuss him each and every single day. So we're going to go ahead and do that for Aaron Rodgers. So there's that idea out there, sure, I guess, maybe if everybody was on board with this situation. I just don't really believe that that would be that that would be the move. I'm not saying it wouldn't be for the Jets if they can take on Aaron Rodgers, but we're talking about a quarterback that's under contract for multiple more years and also costs over 50 per with an unbelievable cap hit for the Green Bay Packers. I don't know if they interview Hackett just to try to get that done. It didn't work. It didn't work for Denver. I have a sneaking suspicion that we'll be talking more about Rodgers at the top of the hour, so I'm not going to indulge any more of this because if I do, there's a chance we have to alter our plan and I want you to be forced into a situation where you have to talk about Rodgers as much as possible. Because you say things like, we don't want to talk about Rodgers all the time. We're getting tired of it. I'm not. I love the Aaron (sighs) Rodgers drama. I have come full circle on this. I used to get annoyed by it. Now I think it's fantastic. It's like standing in line at the grocery store and reading all about Jennifer Aniston's latest love interest. I generally think I'm not interested, but yet every time I'm waiting to check out for my groceries, I find myself very interested in what Rachel Green is up to. You are a, you are a, a strange, strange man there, uh, Joe Fortenbaugh. Now, listen, when it comes to the wide net that they have cast for the New York Jets in interviews for this OC job, one candidate who declined a chance to be interviewed was the Dolphins quarterback coach, Daryl Bevel. Now, he also apparently declined an opportunity uh, with the commanders for an interview for the same position. What's interesting, though, about that decline from Bevel for the New York Jets is it made me wonder how attractive is this job because I was thinking it was pretty darn attractive right because the Jets job yes because that's a team that given the problems are on the offensive side of the ball but it's a team that if you get those worked out and you know you got the defense there too you're talking like championship caliber team and you've got some talent on that team I think Zach Wilson being the big question mark how attractive is it Here's the problem for the Jets, the Commanders, and the Chargers all looking for offensive coordinators. If you Mm -hmm. take that job and things don't go well next year, Rivera, Salah, and Staley could all be fired. So you're, you're hitching your wagon to a train that not only do you need to perform, you have to hope these coaches who have not been getting the job done get the job done. You're stepping into a situation that could be extremely volatile. You're better off being the OC of a, of a new head coach that just got hired, so at least you have some breathing room there. I'm guessing that that's exactly why Bevel turned down both the opportunity yeah. with the New York Jets and with the Washington Commanders. Maybe he figures he'd be better off right now still rocking as the quarterback's coach there in Miami for the time being. Coming up here on Joe and Amber, it has been exactly zero days, and now zero minutes, in fact, 
since we talked about Aaron Rodgers' future with the Green Bay Packers. And Joe Fortenbaugh wants nothing more than to continue to talk about Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers. Joe and Amber, the podcast.